0: and Outreach Week, which is set apart to the Lord for our church, the household of the living God, to hear from the Lord what he has to say about the Great Commission and the responsibility he's given us to share his good news with a world and a nation and a city that is in darkness and so desperately, desperately needs to hear the good news of what we just sang. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to ask you, if you would, one more time to stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. The God-breathed words of the prophet Isaiah. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom... Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. You know, quite clearly and obviously for those of us living in the New Testament and the New Era, this is a testimony Hundreds of years beforehand, about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what He has done for us. So let's come to Him to give Him thanks and gratitude for the man who bore our sorrows and our griefs and our iniquities uh, out of love for the Father and love for sinners like you and I. Lord Jesus, what a Savior, and what a joy and privilege it is this morning to come and sing Your praises and to gaze upon the glory and wonder not only of the cross but of your heart and your face even as we sang this morning and even as we come under your word and we hear the testimony of the prophet Isaiah the God breathed words that were given hundreds of years before you were born and crucified and came into our darkness and yet so clear and so vivid and so accurate and so truthful Lord Jesus we are mindful that you grew up as a tender shoot who was ignored and overlooked and neglected in many ways and lowly esteemed by this world that had no time for you. And we're mindful, too, that as you were crucified, the Romans and the religious elite and the people who had gathered to watch you be crucified, they did not have an awareness or an understanding, so blind are our eyes that you were bearing our transgressions, that you were bearing our shame, that you were bearing our guilt, so that we might be set free, so that we might be made clean and whiter than snow, so that we, the sheep who have wandered away, might be brought home, so that we might be cloaked in clothes of righteousness, and so that we might be adopted, Gentiles as we are, into the household of God. That we might be your children, that we might cry to your Father, Abba Father, that he is our Father, that we might sit at your table for a feast that is prepared for us, that our heads might be anointed with oil, that we might be cleaned and made beautiful by the blood that was shed on the cross, Lord, not because clearly of anything that we did, but Lord Jesus, all because of your love for the Father and the Spirit and your love for us and your willingness to bear the horrors and ugliness of the sin of this world in our place. And so with gratitude we come and say, Lord Jesus, thank you. We're mindful, Lord Jesus, that we can't begin to appreciate the infinite grace and truth and wonder of what you've done for us. And we are mindful, Lord Jesus, that despite the salvation that you've given all too frequently, we wander. All too frequently, the things of the world come in and become priorities in our hearts. All too often we allow good things to become the best things, Lord. And all too often we focus on secondary things rather than enjoying and beholding the goodness and grace that you have given us. So forgive us for these things, Lord. Forgive us as a people. Forgive us as individuals. And Lord Jesus, we look to you. Would you shepherd our hearts this morning? Would you bring us under... Your word, would you stir up the faith that you have already given us and allow it, Lord, to embolden us and strengthen us that we may receive with that faith the grace and the truth that you have to give us this morning. Lord Jesus, specifically for Mission Sunday, we are mindful that throughout the world you have lost sheep in every country and in every tongue who belong to you yet do not yet know you. We're mindful, Lord, that this world is dying in its sin. And we're mindful, Lord Jesus, that what we read in Isaiah 53 is the only remedy. You are the only remedy. Your blood on the cross is the only remedy. Your resurrection is our only hope. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for the ways in which we have failed as a people to share that good news with others. Forgive us as a church for the way in which we have kept this good news to ourselves. You have called us as your children to share your light and love with the world. So, Lord Jesus, only you can make us fishers of men. We are not adequate for this task. Our adequacy comes from you. Lord Jesus, would your love compel us? And would your truth and grace and your presence in our lives, our homes, our marriages, our workplace, Lord, would it make us into the fishers of men that you have called us to be? that we might go out for the limited time that we have to share this good news with others. This day too, Lord, we're mindful of members of our church who are struggling with illness or sickness and who are not able to join us. Lord, would you sustain them and encourage them this morning in a special way would they know your presence even though they're separated from us. Lord, for those who are struggling with financial difficulties or the loss of jobs or family illness, Lord Jesus, Would you fill them with your truth and grace and encouragement this morning? Would the knowledge, Lord Jesus, of you set their hearts on fire and give them the strength they need to prevail in the trials that you have divinely ordained and brought their way? Lord, for our nation, which is going through a troubled time, would you prepare us, Lord, to be bright lights during this election time? We pray for the salvation of both uh, Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump. And we pray, Lord, that we would be examples, not of the divisiveness of this world, but a unity that's brought from you, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord, for a number of the ladies who are carrying children. We think of Andy and Esther as the time draws near. And we pray, Lord, that you would sustain them as children are on their way during a difficult time. We just pray for great joy and support and encouragement for them. Lord, we also pray for the Chan family as well, Kevin and Chelsea, Lord, as they are down in Southern California ministering and sharing the gospel and ministering to uh, Chelsea's father who's ill at this time. And we pray, Lord, for all the situations in this congregation that we don't know about. Lord Jesus, of struggles and fears and worries and discouragements, Lord Jesus, thank you that you brought us here this day to hear about you and to be encouraged, and to have hope and healing and restoration. Lord Jesus, because of who you are, because of what you do and what you've said. Thank you for these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, it's my joy this morning to introduce, and in a moment, welcome to the pulpit. The Morales family, not the whole family, but Ricardo will represent his family here. You know them well. You've heard their story Thursday evening at Lagos. Um, A couple of things that certainly come to mind is, uh, in many ways, you couldn't ask for a more different person from me as far as where we were born, the languages we spoke, uh, the countries we grew up in, and yet... What Christ does is he knits hearts together and finds brothers. And from the moment I met Ricardo in seminary, um, there was certainly a like-mindedness that was there. And that's what Christ does. You know, He does amazing things where there are people who are just like us, and yet we have so little in common, yet because of Christ. People who everybody would say is so far away and so different, and yet there's a heart that's knit together. And so unaware of those things as we went through seminary I had no idea that Ricardo's life and my life would follow a very similar trajectory Ricardo went on to become a church planter during his time in seminary and spent several years fostering and nurturing a small church plant into a stronger church in the uh Santa Clara Valley, or Santa Clarita Valley, excuse me. And um, Ricardo and I would get married about the same time at the end of our seminary career when the rest of the world had given up hope on us. And then Ricardo would continue on an academic uh, trail as well. And uh, one of the things that struck us at seminary was his his THM dissertation. He did it on the Holy Spirit, and his presentation was, Why? Did I say that correctly? Why the Holy Spirit? Right, And that was certainly one that had an impact on the students. But it was timely in that both in the evangelical church but also the Catholic church that Ricardo would go on to minister. The Holy Spirit and his ministry in the local church is something that's really distorted in a big way. And so Ricardo's work was necessary there. He would go on and and do demon work and his focus on his demon work are um, seven doctrines of the Catholic faith uh, that distort the gospel. And his present work, and you can pray for him as he completes his thesis, is on going through the tenets of the gospel to refute the way in which not just the Catholic Church, quite frankly, but many churches have distorted those fundamental doctrines of the gospel. And of course, we know how valuable that's going to be for their ministry in Colombia. And uh, Ricardo and Vano were supposed to be in Colombia at this time. And uh, just to give you a background of how they made it to the pulpit, after... The sermon was taught about the fires and Christ coming soon. In the preparation for that, my heart was convicted and burdened by all the people who were struggling with the fires in this nation. Uh, but the Lord put on my heart a heaviness with regards to Ricardo, Vona, and Vivi Grace and what was happening with them. And Praying too for our church, there was a burden that people need to know the gospel because this world is burning. And it was just heartbroken and saddened that week and praying through that and thinking of them. And just at that week, out of the blue, but not out of the blue to the Lord, Ricardo had had sent me a personal update and also sent us the general letter and, and wrote by email. And so I picked up the phone and phoned him and said, Ricardo, what's happening with you guys? Where are you going? What's the plan? And he unfolded to me that um, you know the Lord had paused their movement to Colombia in part because of COVID nineteen and everything that had been shut down, and we were able to talk and pray on the phone and also share burdens with one another and just that burden that the gospel needs to go out and, and there's an urgency to it and we cannot wait. And uh, after which I said, you know, Ricardo, would you be willing to come up in October? and share with us the gospel, and uh, stir our hearts to hear from God's word, both his provision and his call, to share Jesus with a world that so desperately needs it. So, Ricardo, would you come and do that for us at this time?
1: now you can listen to me so um it's a big joy for me to be able to share with you today about missions uh on thursday i was able to meet uh many of you in the logos bible study and my family and um even viviana were so impressed by by all of you seeing your love seeing your desire to get to know Christ. To be more like him. So many young people. We're just so encouraged. To, to see what the Lord is doing. In San Jose. Through all of you as church. And how you want to grow. And it's my privilege for me to be able to, to try To share the heart of your leadership of your elders, as they want to become more like Christ. Did you know that? Do you know that sometimes we talk, uh, we refer um, of Jesus about Jesus as a great teacher, as the Son of God, as a carpenter, but we don't call him missionary. Jesus Christ was a missionary. He left his glory for a while because he chose to become a man so that he would manifest, reveal the redemptive plan of his father. So as we are trying to talk today about missions, we are privileged to talk about Jesus Christ, our Savior. And as we do this, as, and as, the, as the elders want this church to, to, to understand missions better. They are just trying to be more Christ-like. So it's a privilege for me. And I want you to, uh, today to open your Bibles in Romans. That is going to be our main text. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And we will be focusing focusing on verses 11 to 17. Romans 10, verses 11 to 17. But I would like to read um, beginning in verse 1, just to get a little bit of context. Okay? So, I'm going to start reading verse 1, and we will be um, working uh, verses 11 to 17. But let's read uh, Romans 10. Let's stand up and let's... um, Read. God's word is standing up. Uh, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a seal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is... Is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by then. But the righteous, based on faith, says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him, in whom they have not believed, and how are they to believe in Him, in of whom they have never heard, and how are they to hear without someone preaching, and how are they to preach unless are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what we has we has what he has heard from us so that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You can sit down please. Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, one of the richest men in the world one of the greatest visionaries of all times in a june 6 2019 interview he said that his company blue origin is going to the moon to save the earth bezos goal and commitment to save the humanity has led him to say that he is willing to invest all the profits of Amazon to make that happen. Imagine. He wants to spend all the money, invest all the money that Amazon produces to save the world. That is, to go to the moon. And... And in the year 2019 alone, he sold $1.8 billion of his stock in Amazon to finance this project to take people, to take humanity to the moon. In, in, in this article, Bezos argues that in the long term, the earth is in danger of running, and is running out of energy. Humanity is big. And the earth is no longer big enough. Bezos went on to say, we will have to leave this planet. And we are going to leave it. And it's going to make the planet better. He said, the imperative for a space settlement won't come from a sudden terrestrial catastrophe. But from the realization that we have to expand beyond our home planet if we want to preserve it. And he is not alone. Richard Branson, one, an, an entrepreneur from England also, he is heavily investing to fly humans to the moon and to space. Elon Musk, the owner of Tesla, just a few months ago, you saw his company, SpaceX, working with NASA, sent a spaceship to, to explore the universe, Mars, and how they can know if there is life in another world because they are beginning to think that here, this humanity is having issues. And why is happening this? Because we live in a world without hope. Every 10 seconds, a person attempts suicide in the world. In the year 2019, one out of four succeeded. That means that a person dies every 40 seconds by suicide. That is sad. We live in a world without hope. But today, I don't think I have to give you too many statistics to understand that there is no hope in this world. Literally, today, we don't know what will happen in 10 days. And I think that we as believers have become a little bit disconnected of this reality of the world. The people are going through a lot of suffering. And we see it in the streets. We see it in the news. People are trying to find meaning to life. And they cannot find it. And here in the church, we have become like a kind of club, kind of an organization, kind of a vacuum that enjoys the privileges, that enjoy peace, enjoy a new life, enjoy fellowship with others. But there is a world out there without hope, without purpose. People who have so many problems. People who don't know what is the purpose and the meaning of life. And and I want us to understand today and to learn today that Paul was a man who had a heart for the lost, for their salvation. Paul, one of the greatest theologians have ever existed. He was a man with a heart for the lost. Theology has a heart. Theology has a heart. It must have a heart for the lost. And I want us to quickly, before I go into my outline, to look at the um, context of the this, of this, of this section we are going to uh, consider this morning. And let's look at verse 10 uh, chapter 10, verse one of Romans, which is read it. It says, "Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that is the Jews, is that they may be saved." That they may be saved. Paul knew they were lost. And they were, he wasn't praying just for their, for their benefit, materially, economically speaking, or their political um, success at that time. But he was praying for what? Salvation. And Paul is echoing, actually, you don't have to go there, but he's repeating what he already said in the previous chapter, in chapter 9, where in verse uh, 1 of this chapter 9, he says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. He had great pain, ceaseless anguish, suffering, agony, In his heart. For the people that were being lost. Paul who enjoyed so many privileges in Christ. And had such an incredible fellowship with so many believers. Though his heart was with the church. His heart was also with the lost. Let's go back to uh, chapter 10 verse 2. Where he says talking about them. It says, however, they have a seal talking about the Jews for God, but not according to knowledge. The Jewish people had designed, established, and lived out their own religion with great passion, with great religiosity. But even though they had such an incredible religion, their hearts were not safe. they were lost, and that. Produce pain to Paul and today we see a lot of people with zeal, with passion with morality but not according to the knowledge of the scriptures but according to their own understanding there are lots of good people there are lots of good causes but not According to the knowledge of Scripture. According to the knowledge of Christ. And, 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 and people are trying to find meaning in life. They are trying to be better. I was doing some research and I didn't know that. There are, listen, 4,200 religions in the world. 4,200 religions in the world. That is a lot to choose from. There is Satanism, UFO, extraterrestrial, Middle East religions, Hinduism, syncretic neo paganism, African religions, Chinese religions, Korean religions, New Age, Catholicism, agnosticism, agnosticism, Atheism. There are so many religions. And I look up the definition of of religion, and according to the Oxford Languages Dictionary, religion is the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal god or gods. It is a pursuit of interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. So, if that is the definition of religion, I believe there are more than 4,200 religions. Because many people have sports as their own idol. Many people have the desire to become wealthy as their own religion, as their own God. It's incredible that um, I have been working on on my my health a little bit, and I found some um, uh, vitamins, some supplements um, that really good. So I began doing some research, and the owner of that company... It's called life extension, life extension, has developed his own religion. And it's called the Church of Perpetual Life. So what they want to do is to live forever. So all this medicine really helps you to do what? To live longer, to live forever. So they meet every Sunday and they hold services. And all worship is the worship of health. That's hard to believe. I couldn't believe it. We live in a world plagued with religions. And why? I believe the verse 3 here in chapter 10 gives us a, 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 a reason. It says, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own religion, they did not submit to God's righteousness. People were, here in this case... Because of ignorance, they have rejected the righteousness of God. What is righteousness? God's righteousness is the attribute, the power, the gift of God to transform, to regenerate, to give life to those who have faith in the person and work of Christ Jesus. People have rejected Jesus Christ as the way to the Father. Jesus Christ is not the priority of this world. They have rejected him. So they have have sought, they have created their own God, their own religion, their own fulfillment, their own righteousness. And that's why we see all these religions. That's why we see this lack of hope is despair in the world today the world is seeking to establish its own world order its own standards its own definition of justice because they have rejected Jesus Christ and that is the problem that we are facing today and sometimes we forget that again we are in a little club. We are in a little fellowship. But we forget that there are people out there. Visionaries that see there is not any hope in the earth. Somehow they have to save this world. That's what now political parties are saying, no, we will save you. The other political party. no, we will save you. Trust in us. The only hope this world has is Jesus Christ. And Paul was grieved by that. By people not understanding the righteousness of Christ. And in this section that we are going to consider this morning, which is in, in, uh, in the very middle of chapters uh, 9, 10, and 11, you know, we are going to be uh, seeing chapter 10, Paul, where Paul deals with the faith of Jews who are lost without Christ, and the Gentiles who are are lost without Christ. I believe Paul shares his heart with us. What was his heart in view of all the people being lost and in view of all the people not, not having hope and rejecting Christ? I want to share my, 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 my outline at this moment. And I, this is what I see was Paul's heart for missions. Paul's heart for the lost. In verses 11 to 13, we, say, we see a heart that pained over the depravity of this world. I already mentioned a little bit of that. Paul was grieved for the depravity of this world. In verses 14 to 15a, we see that Paul had a heart that proclaimed the word. And in verses 15b to 17, we see a heart that prioritized the cross. And I hope and I pray that as we see the heart of Paul for missions, today you as an individual and as a church may be able to imitate, to understand God's redemptive plan for this world. So let's start with the first point. Um, we are now in verse eleven. Um, a heart, Paul heart was a heart that pains for the depravity or over the depravity of this world. Frame in the in the in the in the short introduction I gave of chapter 9, verse 1 to 3 and chapter 10, 1 to 2, where Paul He's expressing his desire, his sadness, his pain for the people who were lost. Paul says this in verse 11. For scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame in verse 11. And in verse 13, notice, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I repeat again, in verse 11, he says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And in verse 13, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know what? I did a deep study of these two phrases in, in the Greek. I did some exegesis, I studied some lexicons. And you know what I understood that this means? This means the following. Listen. Everyone who does not call on the name of the Lord will not be saved. The people who don't call on the name of the Lord will not be saved. And those who who do not believe in him will be put to shame. Have you ever thought about that? How sad that is. We are so privileged to be in this place and knowing that we are calling on the name of the Lord so that we will be saved. And we believe in Christ so we won't be put to shame. But all those out there who do not believe in in Christ, all those who don't call on the name of of Christ, will not be saved. Is it not sad? Shouldn't it break our hearts? Yesterday, before we got here, we stopped a few minutes by, by the Apple big building. You know that they just new, the new building. And, and, and I told my wife, I'm so sad. I was so sad there. I was so heartbroken. We drove through Google and I was, my heart was broken. And my daughter was like, hey, why are you sad? Because I was, maybe all these people are lost. So many of these people may be lost. Because they have created a God. Many gods we see here in San Jose, and all these people are not being saved. The word being pushed to shame in Greek has the notion of dishonor, despair, a judgment. That's what shame means. And think about all these people that are perishing. It's sad. And if we study these words that we are speaking about this morning in the whole context of Romans, it's talking about that. It's talking about death. It's talking about darkness. In Romans 1:18, Paul said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Verse 21 says, They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were what? Darkened. Imagine being in dark, not only being in darkness, but your heart being dark. Imagine being in a dark, not only being in a dark place, but your eyes being blinded. That is a sad prognosis, that is the word? That is a sad situation. People out there are in darkness. And this is 2,000 years ago. Believe me, today is even worse. And that's why Paul was grieving. In chapter 3, verses 9 to 18, let's take a look at a few statements Paul's, Paul makes there in Romans 3. It says, Both Jews and Greeks are under sin. Everyone. As it is written, none is righteous. No, no one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one, no one, no one, that's good. Not even one. It says, Paul says in verse 13, their throat is an open grave. Wow, I know here there are at least a couple of doctors. Imagine that the doctor would tell you, say, ah, uh, uh. wow, I see an open grave down there. Who would like to hear that all your health? A few years ago, they had to do a surgery for me, a hernia, and the, and the, and, and the doctor was out four, five, six hours, and I was waiting, you know. So I told, I, later on, I talked to the doctor, Doctor, I had to wait for you six hours. And he said, Ricardo, I'm so sorry. Before you, I had to do a quick surgery, 10, 15 minutes, a hernia, repair. It was 10, 15 minutes. And I found the patient had a liver cancer and he was so metastasized that I had to call some experts and he would die in just a few days. And sometimes, I, and he said, Ricardo, I never imagined we run all the tests. He was ready for the surgery. It, that day he would be back home. And it was very hard for me, Ricardo. I had to deal with, the, with his family. And sometimes we are so used to see the outside of the people. Oh, how cool. Oh, how smart. Wow, he works for this company. Oh, wow, he look where he lives. Wow. And we forget that what God may be seeing in this person is the darkness in his heart. And that should grieve us. Paul's heart for the lost grieved. Was in agony. Was in ang- anguish. It's really... I could go on, you know, but I, I want to, um, to move on. If you guys were to read that, chapter 3 of Romans, you will see the reality of the world, the despair in which we are, we are living. It's a world that is aching. And we as believers, we need to view people in that way. Sometimes we even feel hatred for them. We say, wow, such a sinner, such a bad person. Wow, terrible. Wow, that is what they deserve. Instead, we should remember a little bit Paul's heart and say, you know, wow, my heart grieves for them because they are not saved, because they have been ignorant, and they have chosen their own righteousness. Another righteousness according to scriptures. But you know what? I have highlighted the negative side of these verses. But let's read them again. Let's read them again, quickly. Verses 11 to, to, um, to 13, it says... For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame... For there is no distinction between you and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of of all. Bestowing, what? His riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know what? Yes, the reality of this world is darkness. But notice that there is a horizon of hope. There is a horizon of grace, of mercy, mercy. Christ pouring out his salvation for this world. We need to start, yes, seeing the darkness of this world, but praying for that grace, for that mercy, for that compassion, for that mercy that he has bestowed upon us. For people who, that people may believe in him. That people may understand his righteousness. That people may reject their religion. And they may come to the only way. And we have always, always seen this God of mercy and compassion. I could go through, through many verses. I, I will just mention a few. In Genesis 3.20. And I could go through all the scriptures. When and he uh, says, and just chapter three, right after the fall, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. That is a that is a thought that even theologically is so hard to, to fathom. God, the Creator of all earth and heaven, somehow even at that time. Humble himself to saw this little skin for Adam and for Eve. Always God out of his heart redeeming the lost people. What are we doing? So humble God himself. Even at that time. Genesis five six five six says, "The Lord saw the wickedness of man that the, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and they, and that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man of the earth, and this is what I ha- I want to highlight. And it grieved him to his heart. And it grieved him to his heart." The pain he was suffering, he was going through because man had sinned, because man was in darkness, because man was lost. Then, in the following verses, he bestows grace upon Noah and he redeems the humanity through saving uh, Noah and giving humanity one more chance. First Timothy two four. Didn't we read this Thursday? Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to do what? To save. To save. To save. Because God saw. The sad situation of the world being lost. That is our God. Jesus, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the life. He's the truth. Everything else is, is, is deception. And we should have that sort of heart for the lost. A, a heart that is of compassion. That is the heart of God. That is what he has done for us. As we look back to our own lives, and this morning, Mark said a prayer that really also like, wow, really broke my heart. And as I was there, I was praying for that. Very humbly, your pastor said, we all are disqualified. I'm disqualified to come and preach here. Because of so many sins I have committed in my life. And yet the Lord has been so gracious to me, to allow me to stand up here. How humbling that is. The Lord has been so gracious to all of us here to be able to come into the church and belong to his body. And there are out there people who are just like us. So let's pray for that kind of heart for us. Lord, give me a heart that grieves for the lost. Give me a heart that prays. Not for me, just being like them in terms of success. But for them to be like us in terms of receiving his mercy, his compassion, his love to have eternal life. Second point on my line Paul had a heart that proclaims, he proclaims the word. Verses 14 and 15a say, say, say as follows. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? How can they get, how can they get, how, how, the question is this. How can, how can they call on God if they don't believe him? How can they believe in him if they do not have heard of him? How can they hear of him if someone does not preach to them? How can someone preach if that person is not sent? Do you follow the logic? It's a very logical argument. How are they going to believe? How are they going to believe? How are, going to find, how are they going to find out about the righteousness of Christ if they don't hear it? They they need Son One to, to be sent to hear the word. That's very important. But I want I want to encourage you to think right now about this. Sometimes, when we read these verses of, oh, you know, someone needs to be sent, we always think about a missionary. Oh, let's send a missionary, let's send a missionary. So that we kind of compartmentalize missions. Missions becomes a department of the church. (laughs) Missions is not a department of the church, (laughs) you know? It's not a ministry of the ministry. Missions is the heart of the church. You have to see yourself as the one sent. And I'm speaking to all and each one of you. You are sent. Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says, You... It doesn't say missionaries. No, no, no. It doesn't say missionaries. It says you... Are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And this church's lighthouse, lighthouse set on San Jose, cannot be hidden. Lighthouse set on this world cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under the, a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to, the, to your Father who is in heaven. This is the call for every Christian. The Great Commission is not a call, a call just for, for an elite world, a, a, a elite, elite group of people. The Great Commission is not a call just for an elite group of people. Oh, Ricardo went to a master's seminary. He's ready to be a missionary. Before, he wasn't. But now he has his THM. Wow, so he's even better qualified to go to the mission field. No? You, you, you are as qualified as I am. Or as Pastor Mark. Pastor Peter, and I could mention them, all of you, to go to the mission field. Do you guys remember the Samaritan woman? What did she do as soon as she believed in Christ? It says, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's what? Testimony. Imagine, she wasn't a Jew, a Jewish. She was, she was a sinner and very immoral. She she was a woman. She never had gone to the synagogue. She never had studied theology. And what she goes, she does. She goes and shares her testimony. She even tells people, "He told me everything I had done." Wow, that is. She showed me I was a sinner, and she, she he told me I have a hope and I can be saved too. And I'm saved. So you can. Today we make. Of this concept of missions, like, oh, like, oh. Yes, we have to be wise. Especially as we send people, there are limited resources. We want to have um, uh, a mindset of missions, clear policies. But my, my, what I want to communicate is right now to you that every unbeliever is a mission field. Have you thought about your neighbors? Sometimes we see our neighbors and, wow, look how cool they are. Look how senior they are. Look what they just bought. Wow, they are really really bothering us. But how how many times we see them as lost people who need Christ? There are so many people around that need Christ. I still remember once... When I was in Russia, I was in, in Leningrad doing um, evangelism. And I happened to be there. Um, this is a long time ago. And I saw this guy with glasses. You know, like, he was in his late 20s. I was a little bit younger at that time uh, than him. And I told him, I, I had a track and I had a Bible. And, I was, and he had some chemistry books and physics. He, we were in a, in a subway there. And um, I told him, I said... Hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ. You're know, like, you would talk here to so hell. He didn't know who Jesus Christ was. He didn't know who Jesus Christ was. So I told him, the, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, the Father. He was like, if I were talking to him, Chinese or French or... He didn't know anything about God. And he was so excited to hear about God. But you know what? In some ways, I'm telling you today that if you go and share to one of your, the gospel to one of your coworkers, nowadays the response might be similar. And I tell you because in Santa Clarita, I have told people about Jesus Christ, and they rarely know who he is. And if they do, they have a very distorted view of Christ is. Of who Christ is. So, today, you need to have that kind of heart that announces His word, that proclaims His word, that lets people know who Christ is. And that starts by developing a heart. Second, I was so happy to see Many of you on Thursday. Learning. But you know. Sometimes. We just need to go. And do it. In a simple way. And trust in the Lord. That he will do the rest. Do you think that when the Samaritan woman. Went out to the town. To share about what Christ had done. For her. That she was going to save. All these. Many in that town. <laughs> Jesus went and told people. And who did the rest? Everything. Christ. Because Christ is the one who has brought all of us to salvation. But I want you to think for a second. Think. How? Why are you here? Who shared the gospel with you? And when was the last time we did that for someone else? On Thursday, I shared that the person I am here... Because an, a person who now has all, 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 Alzheimer's, she shared the gospel with us. And it wasn't like a full presentation. She just told us, hey, come to church with us. My life, she used to be a drunkard. This lady, she used to be in Paris. She was, she was a very secular lady. But her life changed. I remember one, once a guy by the name of Carlos in Colombia. He came to Christ... Because a friend of his, who was so bad, so bad, came to Christ. So this guy said, "Wow, if God changed my friend, wow, I bet you He can change me." And there are a lot of people there. We just need to proclaim His word. We need to share the gospel. We the 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 word preaching there is to herald, to announce, to declare. It's not to create a new doctrine. It's not to develop a fancy gospel. It's just to say what Christ has done in your life, who Christ is. He's not talking about oh, just go, you know, and give them things and uh, uh, just uh, justice, social justice gospel. No, even say oh, just go and pro- uh, give them things so that they may hear. No, proclaim the gospel, proclaim His word so that they may. Believe. It's that simple. Sometimes we forget that God's word is powerful. God's word is powerful. It changes you. It can change another person. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Be gracious. Don't take people like this. But trust in the Lord. Pray for them. Invite them for, for a coffee. Be a missionary here in San Jose. That is what the Lord wants us, to proclaim his word so that people may hear, so that people may believe. Now my third point is that as we we have a heart that grieves for the lost, as we have a heart that seeks to proclaim his word, not what you think is Christianity, but just tell them that Christ loves them. That Christ is their solution to their problems. Then we need to start talking about the cross. And that is what we see here. In verses 15b to 17, chapter 10 of Romans. It says, as it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. These feet that are so beautiful. Ultimately refer to the feet of Jesus Christ. He came, he came to proclaim redemption to this world. If someone had to sacrifice, if someone had to give up something, if someone had to suffer, to proclaim the redemptive plan of the Father was Jesus Christ. This morning, as as we were singing the songs, I was just thinking about Jesus Christ. That's why I said he was the greatest missionary. Just think him. In the heat of the day. Going from Jerusalem to Samaria. Just going in boats. Exposing his life. Being speed. Being rejected. Going to the cross. And yet. How beautiful. Are, were even his His feet as he went from place to place and by extension that is something that applies to us as we share the gospel we are his feet we are his hands we are his heart that is a privilege we have if we want to be his if we want to be his disciples we need to take up his cross and follow him and his cross is not only the sufferings in general but our but it is that call to announce that He died for us, that He resurrected, that He is the Savior of the world. These 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 words from um, these words. How beautiful are the feet of. Of, of uh, those who preach the good news is from Isaiah 52 7, where it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of the happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to sign, Our God reigns, your God reigns. That's all we have to do to proclaim that he is. The king. What did they write on the on the cross? He is the king of the Jews. He is the king of the world. That is what we have been called to proclaim. I like this statement that someone said the keynote, the, the most essential, the most indispensable message in the mouth of every prophet, preacher, missionary, whether in Isaiah's day or Jesus' day is. Is your God reigns. Your God reigns. And that is something we need to be telling people. God is the Lord of this world. He is in control. He is the only one who can give us peace. He is the only one who can can give us protection. The only supreme merciful grace judge. The great design and intention of a Christian preacher is to restore the throne and dominion of God in the souls of men. I repeat, the great design and intention of a Christian preacher or a missionary is to restore the throne and dominion of God in the souls of men. And that, and we read it this morning in, in chapter 10, verse 9, where it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... That is, he's king. He has all dominion in your life, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That is, that he is reigning today. You will be saved. It's the proclamation of the cross, salvation through Jesus Christ alone. He paid for your sins, for the sins of the world. Imagine what a, re- what a relief! What a message! What a grace! In a world that today is give me, give me, give me, give me, here it is. Grace. Here it is. Grace. A righteousness according to scriptures, not according to you. To have faith in Christ, that Christ offers us eternal life, that He offers us hope, and He's not in the moon. Salvation will not be accomplished by these visionaries, by Bezos investing in the outer world. It's by Christ Jesus' investment on the cross that will have salvation for eternity. He reigns, he reigns, he reigns, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive today. That is the message of the cross. But I want you to think today, Is he reigning in your life? Are you experiencing that peace, that personal relationship with Christ? That is, we have to examine ourselves also. Are we grieving for the lost? Are we growing in his word so that we may proclaim his good news? Are we known by the word of God living in our heart, or are we known by wanting to become more like the world? And are you living out the message of the cross in your own life? Is He reigning in you? You want to have feet as beautiful as His. You want. Do you want to have that joy? Because you know what, we are not just talking about our religion. We are talking about Jesus Christ, about a personal relationship with Him. As we think about proclaiming His Word, we are talking about proclaiming Christ, proclaiming our relationship. Proclaiming joy, proclaiming love, proclaiming peace, proclaiming the fruit of the Holy Spirit that lives in us and can change people's hearts, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, His Word. Hebrews 1, 1, 3 says, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed, the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He has spoken us through His Son, Jesus Christ. He reigns in our heart. We belong to a kingdom that that has hope. So we should tell people that they can have peace, that they can have joy, that they can have hope, because we have experienced that. We might not be able to explain the Greek implications, the nuances, the parsing of the verse in Hebrew. But we can tell them. Or we can point them out to other brothers and sisters in the churches. Come. My heart is crying out for you. You need Christ. There are so many people out there that need Christ. And that's why we read today Psalm 53. I mean Isaiah 53. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross. There are so many verses there. He was despised and rejected by men. He has borne our griefs. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. All like all of us, all of us, all of us, all of us. They who are in darkness, and us, and me, and all the pastors, all the leadership, here are. But you know, Christ is sufficient. Christ is the only way to the Father. He's the only righteousness. Yet, the, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put into grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. They will, they Will of the Lord shall prosper in His hand. The Lord has a a, a purpose. As you preach the word, you can be convinced that the Lord will, will accomplish His purpose. The Lord is good. So, as I close, I want you to think of these aspects. Are you seeing these people, this world, as a lost world? And I can tell you, there was a time when I was there, seated there. I had just finished my master in business and administration. I studied business law. I, w- I wanted to conquer the world. That's all I wanted to do. But for me to enjoy it, to have a nice job. So I know that that is what we want to do. That is our nature. But now I cannot see the world as I did many years ago. I see it as a, as a world that is suffering. Second, do you have a heart that wants to proclaim his word? Sometimes we are like those who go to the gym. Uh, they look themselves in the mirror. They see themselves in the mirror. And then they go back next day to do the same. For us to grow in Christ. To have this. Doesn't have just the purpose of seeing ourselves, how good we are, but also to see how many people have weights that they are needing us to help them carry. Are we understanding, fair point, that the cross is the only means, the only understanding, the only way for people's salvation? Just to see that Christ died for their sins. That they are going to die unless they acknowledge, confess this Christ who died and resurrected in the cross. And resurrected. 2 Corinthians 5.14 and 15 says this. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this. That one has died for all. Therefore all have died. And he and he died for all that those who live might no longer live, live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And verse 18, I'm reading Second Corinthians 5. It says, And all this is from God, who, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. As you have experienced this Salvation, this love, this grace, that should control us. If he died for us, how much more? (laughs) You know, we should die as well. And if he died, died for us, we should live for him. That is, in Christ, God reconciled the world to himself, not continuing their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Imagine that privilege we have. You know, I, I think maybe some of you and here, you are familiar to, familiar with many, many big companies in this city. How, uh, it would be a, a privilege for me to say that I work for Apple. You know, if I were here, guys, I'm the vice president of Apple, you know, Google. And I want to talk to you for 20 minutes. Wow, the vice president of Google is coming to, to, to Lighthouse Church. But you know what? All those church, all those companies will pass away. 100, 200, 500 years. No company has lasted that. But you know, the church is the only institution that will last for eternity. So invest yourself. There is no greater privilege than to work in an institution that will last forever. So Couple of applications. Pray. Just start praying. Just start praying. Just start praying. Tell Christ, tell the Lord, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. And this is a huge answer to prayer. The fact that this beautiful church, this leadership, are beginning to think out missions because that is the heart of Christ. That's why he came. He didn't came to be a missionary, uh, excuse me, a carpenter. Yes, he needed to develop some, 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 some disciples. But everything at the end of the day was to carry on the, his missionary plan. Redemption to the world. Sometimes we want to be like Christ. So I want to study a lot of Greek so I understand, you know, yes, all those things are important. But ultimately, the, Christ, the heart of Christ was the heart of a missionary be proactive. Start sharing Christ with others. With your, maybe with a relative. Maybe with a friend in your company. Invite him for coffee. Just, just start. I mean, you may not do anything, but just, just pray. Just pray. Just have the heart. Sometimes with my beautiful daughter, I tell her, baby, just try. Just try. Just try. And she tries. And it's not the top, top, top work, job she did. Hey, good job, baby. Good job. Now try again. Let's try. The Lord will see that. And the Lord will begin to give you opportunities. Be part of sending someone. Jesus church. Just you may not be able to go. But start having the heart. So. I hope you were encouraged today. But, and you were, my message came across clear. Number one. Remember. Paul's heart. And that was the heart of Christ as well. The heart of God. Was one that grieved for the lost. That saw darkness and felt anguish for that. Second, that sought to proclaim the word of God. Not develop new philosophies. Not develop new lifestyles. So look, this is what it means to be a Christian. I'm so happy. No, it's to proclaim the word of God. And third, a heart that sees the cross. The gospel, the person of Jesus Christ, grace as the only means to salvation for this world. Now, I want to, close, to finish with a little encouragement. Because today, there are three kinds of people today, and only three kinds of people in this room. There are those who have experienced the light of Christ. Those whose darkness has been shown, has been put away by the life of Christ. And can't see maybe one talking about what scripture says the heart of the leadership in this church. My, ha- my my words of encouragement for you is keep pressing on, keep growing, keep being humble. There are maybe an there is maybe another second group. Those who heard about Jesus Christ maybe a few years ago. They were all ex- you were all excited about serving Christ. But maybe you have lost that passion, that joy. My encouragement for you is remember where the Lord took you out from. And feel that compassion, that heart for those who are there. And make sure to persevere, to seek growth in the church. Don't let this situation in the world to discourage you. There is hope. There is grace. There is salvation. There is eternal life. There is hope that surpasses this world and all we see. And third, there are some of you that might have been coming to this church for years or for months and have not experienced the gospel in your own heart. For you to give something, you need to have it. Is it not true? It would be very hard for me to teach German, because I really don't know German. I, maybe I can teach Spanish, because I know Spanish. It would be very hard for me to, to, to teach engineering, because I don't have too much training. I, by God's grace, I know a little bit about Scripture, so I can do that. So maybe you haven't come to a true, meaningful, purposeful, life-changing experience with this Savior, My encouragement for you is talk to the leadership, even today. And realize, I need that Christ. I need to have a hope that surpasses all the false hopes upon which I'm building my life today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful church. For these beautiful young people, Lord. Lord. This message cannot come from other heart than one that has love and that has been loved and that has been forgiven. Heavenly Father, I've just been so exhorted by the love of this church, by the love of this leadership to do whatever they can to bring up this church, to edify it, to help these young people to have a hope that surpasses all understanding, a peace that is beyond explanation. And Lord, we could never ever describe your grace for us, your glory, your wisdom. How much more we are so unable to share it with others, Lord. But I pray that your Holy Spirit may start just really speaking to this church, Lord, through your word to to have a heart for the lost. And I'm talking about San Jose. I'm talking about this community. I'm talking about our own relatives that may not be without, that, that, they, that might be without you, Lord. But help us, oh Lord, to be more confident, more humble, more convinced of, of what you have given us in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.